As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm changing the game. We're changing the game, guys. I don't know if we are. That already exists. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Crunch Time. It's your most favorite show in the whole wide world, Under the Radar. With me, as always, your friend and mine, Ian Khan. Hello, my friend. My friend and yours, Derek Unreva. I assume by Crunch Time, you don't mean getting a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch with shrimp tails in it. A lot of people talking about that after you mentioned it in our group text. Shrimp I saw it all over Twitter. What? <laughs> it was trending on Twitter this morning. A guy had a, a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and he had two shrimp tails that were in what? with the cereal, which is not what you want in your cereal. I, no. Damn. What's the group text, guys? What's going on? I'm, I'm out of the group text. What's going on? Oh, is that not ours? That was one with that was one with Funston and Jake. Oh, great, Funston yeah. and Jake. Yeah, all right. Well, Sorry. Jake's the cereal editor here. Yeah, <laughs> well, Jake cereal Sealy. Speaking of which, I have to get I have to get my um, my under the radar guys in for Jake Sealy, and I've changed my choices. I think that ran today. No, no, no. He said by Wednesday. Oh, the so. sleepers, right? The sleepers, sleepers, right, sleepers. sleepers calling. Yeah, 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 right. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see who they are. Are you updating the dynasty ranks? What's going on there? Yeah, that's my know. plan. What's I'm, happening? I, I've got to do GDD tomorrow night. Um, and my hope is, my plan is to uh, update the dynasty rankings, and I will be able to by the opening of the season. So we'll have a full update of the dynasty rankings. And then then Exciting probably times. every four to six weeks or so, I would guess. Right. Yeah, you don't want to do fun. it. I mean, I, I, there's a piece of me you want to do it every day. You know, like I'm going to put Nick Prado up there. I can't wait to put Nick Prado up there. Um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta let things sit for a little bit and then we'll, we'll do it. You know, we gotta change that gallon down a little bit. We gotta get, I don't even oh, think Jose Clark was gallon, on the man. list. Man, we cannot have hitters, pitchers hitting. This is what happens. Zach gallon gone. I mean, right. Isn't he? It looks like it's a problem. You know, when you hear flexor forearm, elbow chips from, from batting practice, good. guys, yeah. batting practice, huh? stupid. It's just I, I don't like using that word. People don't like that word, but I just I, it drives me crazy. We should bleep it out. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be bleeped. Um, I Let's will get say to the show. I had my oh, okay, I had my no, little ahead. league draft last night, and Douglas Contreras is on the team. 
Good thing we didn't get right to the baseball stuff, so we can sneak that in. <laughs> Go ahead. <now>. Do <laughs> really happy for you. <laughs> uh, look, the first I, I really like the more and like you know you just read more and you absorb more and you take more in. And um, uh, let's start off the show by shouting out Mike Curland again because what he's doing is actually helping inform a lot of my decisions here, and people are moving up. If you don't know Mike Curland, we talked about him last show. He's doing uh, basically tracking all of the spring training lineups and where everyone's batting and what positions they're playing. And he's even got notes in there to, get, to let you know what the trends are. Um, and the one guy who I'm cross-referencing with Curland every week, Ronald Guzman. Ronald Guzman was, I don't know, I don't call him a hotshot prospect. It was supposed to do big things for the Rangers at first base. Um, didn't quite get there, you know, through whatever reasons. But, uh, look, man, this guy was decent in the minors. I mean, 276 batting average career in the minors. Flex some power uh, right around 2016, 2017. Um, I just, I like the guy. And I like him more now because it looks like he's going to be a starting outfielder. Ronald Guzman and basically everyone on Cleveland are so intriguing to me because ADPs are not reflecting these guys getting jobs, right? They're all in the same. I'm lumping them together. You know, like the, whoever's going to win that Bradley, Jake Bowers battle at first, and it looks like it could be Bowers. Um, Ahmed Rosario possibly playing the outfield. <laughs> all right, laugh all you want. But it's happening. It's it actually Bowers. is happening. It can't be. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I know it's become a running joke, but there's something to be said for all this playing time. And Texas is a perfect example. Ronald Guzman went down, I believe he was the Dominican Winter League MVP. That's cool. With an incredible, like crazy power, amazing batting average. He's changed his swing. He's got a whole new outlook on life. Everyone's sweating him. And they're pushing dudes around in the outfield to make sure he's getting a starting corner spot. And if you look at Curlin's stuff, not only is he playing a lot in the outfield, he's he's hitting pretty high in the lineup. I mean, cool. I don't, am I crazy? You, you sound very dismissive. No, no, I mean, no, like, no, no. I think no. Ronald Guzman is going to be on every single one of my teams in every draft I have from today forward. Okay, but don't draft him before like the twentieth round. That's the key. Like, love. Well, you don't him. have to. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Where his ADP is, you don't have to. Right. Well, but then don't reach for him. Like, you know, you part of part of why I don't like drafts is because you don't have control over those things. That's why I prefer auctions by a million. Um, but like part of drafting wisely, I believe, is like you've got your guys that you want to get, but you got to deal with the disappointment occasionally of not getting them just to make sure you get the right value. I just did a little Ariel Cohen there for everybody to make sure that you get the right value for the player, right? So if you're grabbing Ronald Guzman because you got to have him and you get him in the 18th round, it, that, that may be all he provides. He's not going to be a t- he's not going to be a, you know, top 10 round value at the end of the season. I mean, I, I think he could be good. I'm, I'm looking at his stats for spring training, which I take more seriously than most. He's got an OPS over a thousand. Got three home runs. I mean, you know, he's 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 playing. He this very well could be him turning into the guy that he's supposed to be. But you got to get the value on it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. What's the value right now? I, sh- I actually should have prepared his average draft. What position. is what is his ADP? <laughs> no, I'm quietly like sorting by March 1st through March 23rd. I'll find out. Okay. D- DVR should have his stuff ready though. DVR. DVR, you're not a Ronald Guzman guy. You're uh, suspiciously quiet. I am. Ten times more likely to throw a late dart on Guzman than I am to throw a dart on Bowers, man. I think Bowers is just you're just throwing you're throwing a pick away or throwing a couple bucks in the end of the auction away. But Guzman, if you cut it down since March fifteenth, still really isn't going anywhere of consequence. Five thirty one overall, earliest pick is three twenty nine. 
Yeah, and that was the same. Actually, that happened before then. I'm looking at the March 1st, and he was 561, but the earliest pick then was still 329. Yeah, so no one's on him at all. And it's interesting. I, I wonder how serious they are about the outfield. I mean, if you have Guzman in the outfield, then you can play Nate Lowe together uh, with him in the same lineup. So that's pretty interesting. I think with Guzman, there, there was an expectation he was going to be the long-term first baseman in Texas. He's had a couple of chances and hasn't taken the job and, and run with it yet. But a little more power last year in the shortened season, closer to like a league average sort of hitter. So I, I could see that actually working out. But why would they play him in the outfield? I mean, he he's if unless I'm wrong, I rem, I always thought of Guzman as really good with the glove at first base. Oh, uh, maybe he's so good that it translates well to the outfield. Maybe I mean, great athlete, but I mean, I don't know. I, I always thought of him as like a glove first guy. And so if he's finally putting the bat together, I don't know why they would play him in the outfield. I mean, who? Oh, because Nate Lowe. Okay, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Okay. This it's a traffic jam. But anyway, I like I don't know why. Like he is just. In my personal ADP, I guess my personal guys I love, Guzman has uh, has shot up. Um, anyway, all right, that's all. I just wanted to get that out of my system. Uh, right. There are a couple things that I picked up. A lot of stuff coming from our beat writers. And again, I just want to play on this theme. I mean, I don't want to be like the beating a dead horse, but uh, Matt Olson said his bat felt flat and horizontal last season and that the lack of time at the ballpark added pressure of breaking a slump in a shortened season hampered him. You've been saying that for a um, year. Yeah, and then Pete Alonso felt like he didn't have a rhythm during the brief summer training camp and bad results because of the bad timing early in the season snowballed until he put together a really nice September. That's from Tim Britton. Um, so, look, they're just another couple of players who, you know, we can explain away these 2020 stats. And that ties into Michael Zelfino's column, which came up yesterday, I think, where he actually pointed out, like, you have to look at these postseason stats from last year. And I want to know what you guys think about this because I thought it was a brilliant idea that no one has really – put out there yet and it's I mean it's kind of late um is that the season was so short last year that if you're not looking at the postseason stats you're doing yourself a huge disservice and if you go look at the postseason stats someone like Jose Altuve um really like changed his numbers significantly Aaron uh, Giancarlo Stan changed his numbers significantly um and there's a list of about like eight or nine guys who when you factor in the postseason either had a like a value up or value down like a very stark value up or value down um, and it's frankly changed a couple opinions on some players for me. DVR, you buy it? Buy the postseason DVR? I think it's worth looking at. I mean, I it's just an extension of what we were seeing in the regular season. It gives me confidence in Altuve. I like Altuve where he's going in drafts and auctions right now. I, obviously, no concerns about playing time. I think the key to rostering Jose Altuve is probably tempering your expectations in terms of steals. I don't know if he's going to steal more than eight or ten bases this year. If he gets you more, then you're happy, but you shouldn't expect more than that. I think you're expecting a great batting average, a ton of runs, a really good number of RBIs, and probably high teens, low 20s home runs. Like That's probably where he, he finishes this year. Uh, but I, I would say, is the opposite true? Like For guys that were putting it together in the postseason, should we be concerned about you know Willie Adames having a really good regular season but not hitting in the postseason? Should we be concerned about Brandon Lau uh, being really good in the regular season, yep. but cooling off in the postseason. Like, does it does it cut both ways? It has to. I mean, if we're going to take it, if we're going to take the upside, you got to take the downside. Well, that's what he said. He said there are you both ways. Like, there are guys who went up and guys who went down. And if you're going to use the argument that the postseason you're going to get tougher pitching and stuff like that, you can apply that to both sides. Uh, no, I think you you've got a situation where you're you're also you're also getting a look at how 
the best teams in the league attacked opposing teams' best hitters and whether or not those adjustments worked. And I think that's where that's where I have a little bit of, of doubt about Brandon Lau at the price. I think he's one of the Rays' best hitters. I don't have doubts about the power at all. The stat cast numbers back that up. And um, he's got some pretty interesting splits, like really bad numbers against lefties in 2019 that could keep him off the field against lefties a little bit in 2021. But I, I wonder if that was just a sign, like a, if that was a book that opposing teams can use during the regular season on Lau this season. And he's going to have to make some adjustments and and put the pieces back together if he's going to sustain you know, what he's done in 19 and 20. But at least with Lau, what he did in the regular season last year lines up with what he was doing in the regular season in 2019 as well, right? It wasn't just the 2020 regular season step forward. Like That was an extension of the previous year. So I have, I guess, a little more confidence that the playoffs aren't a sign of him completely cratering going forward. I like it. I don't like Lau. I never got into the Lau-Low duo when they were with Tampa. Like, I just never, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just another one of those couple of grayed out names for me. Brandon Lau, Brandon Lau is a, is a, is, I'm always concerned about any Tampa Bay players. I, you will not see many Tampa Bay players on my team. It's very rare just because of the way they play the game, you know, and that DVR says, if you're drafting, you, and you've got to get guys who are going to play every day. Same thing McLeod would always say to me. And I just worry about Tampa Bay other than their starters. Like I'll take a starter from them. Um, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't think of a, a, a player on Tampa Bay that I ever take. I mean, I, I I've got a lot of Yoshi Tsugo. I mean, this year. Okay. Um, but, but I'm talking about like, <laughs> right. I'm talking about like, let's say in tout wars or, or, or labor where you're not picking 50 players, right? Like, sure. On a 50, a 50 man, I can do it for sure. But on like, if I, if I just have a roster of guys, I'm not going to use one of those spots on Tampa Bay. Like I'm not going to pay for Randy or Rosarena. Like he's just, he's going to pass me by because if he slumps a little bit, they, they, they're just so, they're so deep. They, they have to be, right? They have to be that deep to compete in the AL East with a, with a payroll like that, which just means guys like Austin Meadows, who other people are going to go crazy for, if he starts struggling, I can see him sitting against lefties. And then you're paying a, a you know, a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick on a guy like Austin Meadows. Is that where he's going? Maybe sixth? Yeah, probably fifth, sixth round of a 15-teamer in that yeah. range. I mean, I think the, the hardest thing about the Rays is that the way a major league roster is built you can only platoon at so many spots. You can platoon consistently at about four positions, right? And the spots where they don't platoon are sometimes places where they're putting a premium on defense. So, you know, Kevin Kiermaier, when he's healthy, plays a ton. Willie Adames plays a ton. Mike Zanino, most years, plays a ton. Maybe that changes this year with Mejia. But you can platoon at third. You can platoon at first. You can platoon in the corner outfield spots. And I think that's what makes things harder to read with them. I could see Meadows actually being profitable because he had the oblique injury late in the year. He missed time early with COVID. So he had multiple issues in 2020 that derailed him. And he was really good in 2019. The way they used him in 2019, I'm looking back. I mean, he let off a lot. It was hitting third, fourth in the order. He really didn't get a lot of days off. He was not part of the mixing and matching in that season. So he might be one of the guys that doesn't have to share his spot with somebody yeah, yeah. else but, but but if he struggles he, 
No, but it, it, but if he struggles, that's he's going to. I mean, he got Wander Franco, like like Nando said. You got Vidal Bruhan, who could come up. You got Josh Lowe, who could come up. I mean, there's a lot of it's just a, a tremendous amount of talent on that team, and you gotta you gotta perform. And I, I I want somebody with a longer leash as much as I possibly can. DVR, you kept that DVR checklist. Uh, I'm sorry, the COVID checklist last year, didn't you? Like, didn't you have a list of all the players, kind of like unofficially, who were out because of COVID? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to just figure out who was actually missing because the reports in July when players were getting back into camp were so scattered. It was it was impossible to know like who was missing and why. So, yeah, I tried to do that. I, I think it'd be interesting because like this is the recurring theme now. And it's it's like the new I had surgery very quietly thing or my arm was bothering me all year kind of thing is like COVID affected me more than I was saying. Like, I think we heard it for Hunter Dozier. It's been very well publicized with the Owen Mankata. Um, but some of these guys, like you just said, Willie Adamas, I don't think anyone's like really researching him so deep that they're like, oh, COVID. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we are, but I don't know if everyone else is. So I kind of wonder if it'd be cool to take the list that you have and kind of cross-reference it and see who slumped or was like, you know, 15% off of their usual stuff. And maybe that, I don't know, maybe that's just a way to be like, you know, I'm going to, we're dismissing 2020 stance for a lot of reasons anyway. That seems like a very smart one that we, you know. I was in a slump. All right. You didn't have time, whatever. But someone who had COVID was just like foggy brained and messed up completely and weakened. Um, maybe we should have, maybe, maybe we should have thought of that a while ago, unofficially for the show. Well, yeah, it's just tricky though, because of the impact of that virus on every individual. Freddie Freeman, as everyone knows by now, said he was kind of fearing for his life when he had it. He came back and had an MVP caliber season as a hitter, which is an amazing sort of bounce back. Uh, Randy Rosarena missed a bunch of time, came back and was awesome when he got back. So it's it's really hard to look at it and unless you have confirmation from the player that something was wrong. And Mankata provided that. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. He just said he wasn't right. His strength was sapped. Energy wasn't there. You know, you, you can take that and work with that a little bit more than players that missed the time and really haven't spoken about how that might have impacted them once they came back. All right, then forget it. We don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just admit you lost the doc. Um. <laughs> but cheers to Mike Curlin. Cheers to uh, you. Doing a great service for for everybody. Um, and uh, and good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. He really, he really is. Yep. My, I think it's just Mike Curland on Twitter, and he did. He added a tip jar, which I'm did happy he? for him. Oh, good. Yeah. Did you tip him? Yeah, I gave him some money. Good. You should. You're the one who was like, "You're giving this away for free. Why are you giving it away I for really, free?" Really? Yeah. I, I literally, I put my money where my mouth is. Like, I would, I would pay for that information. Yeah. Um, and you know, I would like he would have been perfect for the athletic, in retrospect. But we'll get there one day. All we right. had Greg Jewett. We got Greg Jewett. We flipped hey. his closers and coffee. Uh, Greg Jewett, who did a fine job in the head-to-head tout wars this this weekend. I spoke to him over uh, last week. Uh, he he reached out to me. He was like, "Hey, you played this format." I was like, "Yeah, check check your points, check your point system." It was a fun tout wars weekend. Tout wars weekend. It was a tout wars weekend. It really was. <laughs> all right, man. You're it, all right. It yeah. had it had a real tout wars vibe. Um, super fun. So I'm sure we're going to get to that in a little bit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Who, did you who, take elocution? Well, we can get to it now. Why, why wait, Ian? Well, because I saw I saw someone saying Andrew Benatendi. Is that you who wrote that he's prime Alex Gordon, especially huge in points leagues? Look, you take Benatendi and put him right over Alex Gordon when he finally hit his prime, which I think was like 2012, uh-huh. 2013. And I, I only, this sticks out to me because when I went to CBS, I was, I'm a Roto guy. Like, at heart, I'm a Roto guy. And my first couple podcasts, Scott White, um, was just always talking about these guys who had like it, it was it was Alex Gordon and then there was dude who played for the Marlins second base a little bit of outfield. Um, oh man, I'm not gonna remember. That's that. a tough It'll come to right me. there from two. I think he was traded to the Yankees for a little bit. He was very relevant up until about like three years ago, two years ago. Went to Arizona late in his career. Hmm. Mariano Duncan? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's recent. He's recent. And I want to oh, say okay. Starling Marte. He's got the same initials, I think. Um, anyway, whatever. Well, look, I'm going to figure it out in a minute. But Alex Gordon, to. you know what's fascinating about Alex Gordon? Remember, he was a third baseman when he first came up. He was an ex-George Brett. And, and then they moved him to the outfield. And I was like, hey, he's not going to be really good out there because he's never played the outfield. And then he ended up being gold glove outfielder. Alex Gordon, nice player. And Sal Perez just signed the biggest contract in the history of the Kansas City Royals, a four-year extension for $82 million, which personally I think is fantastic because Sal Perez signed one of those really bad, like, pre, like, it was like an eight-year, $22 million contract, which really, if any of us were going to get $22 million for eight years, that'd be fantastic. But for an all-star catcher who I'm now going to say could be a Hall of Fame catcher, maybe? Possibly, if he stays with the Royals his entire career and he continues to be play at this level for the next four years, Sal Perez, it's it's a good thing. It's always nice when you have a player who's associated with the team and that player ends up staying on that team. It's something that when we were growing up in the 70s, oh wait, I should probably say when I was growing up in the 70s, because I was born in 1972, very proud to say always, I don't know why, that that was like the major thing. It's like you were on a team and you stayed on the team. And then with free agency in the 80s, where it really sort of just everything opened up, you rarely see a player stay with the same team. Like someone like Eric Hosmer should have been a royal for life. Mustaka should have been a royal for life. Sal Perez is looks like going to be a royal for life until his last season when he play, you know, he signs the one year contract in Arizona to catch because Kansas City's like we're done. But it's it's just really cool and I really like that. And that's your take on Andrew Benintendi. My take on Andrew Benintendi is no, no the guy look the guy I was thinking of was Martin Prado by the way. Oh, okay. Um, the, and my, the point was they hit a bunch of doubles, and I never considered doubles until points leagues. Right, points leagues. That, that is a fun yeah. part about points leagues, is that it, it does adjust it. It's one sad part of moving from the head-to-head league to the mixed auction, or mixed salary cap draft is what they call it now, um, is that I kind of enjoyed that. Like, if a guy hit a triple, I'd be like, yeah, he hit a triple. That's really good. Whereas now in Roto, he hit a triple. It doesn't matter. Same as a single, which I think is, uh, though I will say this, I'm all about OBP, yo. I'm all about OBP now because it's just, I've been playing average leagues for years 
and now I'm in more OBP leagues, it's a much better understanding of the game. I just think it's a more more accurate understanding of the game. So I'm a, I'm, I'm big on OBP. I think that's a I think that's a better way to play the game. DVR, do you feel the same way about OBP versus average at this point, or are you still average? I like OBP a little better, but I also don't despise average, so I'm very comfortable just playing whatever the rules are. I don't despise average. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I just I, I get like a little extra chill from Mark Kanha. Like, ooh, Kanha. <laughs> ooh, look at you. Ooh, you like to walk. You know, because I was doing all this OBP stuff in preparation for Tout. Uh, Nando Dufino, how, how do you feel about OBP versus average? I think I know your answer on this. Yeah, you know, everyone knows the answer. What's the answer on that? It's average. Yep, that's what I thought the answer yeah. would be. Why is that, Nando? Uh, you know, like I, I like the game being more accessible to as many people as possible. Uh-huh. And everyone just knows batting average. It's just like one of the, you know, right or wrong. It's one of the, you know, the pure, when you think of baseball and measuring a hitter, you measure them by batting average to a degree, amongst other things. Yeah, OBP but is like, just you got to track walks and it's a harder stat to find and it's not relatable and it's boring. Okay, uh, but it's but, a game, okay. you know, it's like Monopoly. It's a game. All right, I get it, I get it. But, 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 but like someone like Aaron Hicks is to me, like, his full value is in the fact that he just drops his bat and walks to first like 14% of the time. Yeah, so then he's got more of a chance to score a run or steal a base. It's already baked into the 5 by 5 Yeah, five. okay. I hear you. I, I, I'm i not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm, saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I just, you get on base, I, you can it, score a run more easily. Yeah, it just it, it, it takes out that part of the game. I, I almost would, <laughs> I mean, I almost would love to figure out a way to meld all versions of the game to make it like points and roto. So, like, if you get a hit, if you get a single, well, I guess that's just the points. But I don't like points for pitchers so much. Like, I like the pitching side to not be points. Hmm. I don't like points in pitching. Because you just get points for, you know, getting through innings, which I prefer. You know, I like just, it's just real simple. It's like strikeouts. So, you know, it's it's that, that's why the OBP makes some sense. But I wish you got some credit for a double or a triple. I'm changing the game. We're changing the game, guys. I don't know if we are. That already exists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the opening of, of this week's show right there. That was it. <laughs> We're yep. changing the game, guys. Uh, we can talk Tower Wars now. Like I, Go ahead. Go ahead, Ian. I had to play against Derek Van Riper this weekend in Tower Wars. Uh, Derek Van Riper, uh, Scott Engel, Eric Carabell, good player. Scott Sw- Sweeney. A lot of good deals. Alex Chamberlain, pain in the butt this weekend for me. Brent Hershey, made me go a little higher on Vladimir Guerrero than I wanted to. Michael Rathburn, good stuff. He got himself some, uh, he got some nice players. Brett Sayre, similar to Dirk Van Riper in style. Justin Mason, doing a very nice job. Scott Pianowski, very smart player. Joe Pisapia with uh, with with a really strong team. Zach Steinhorn. Fellow oh, actor C- Joe Pisapia, right? Well, he... he Joe PCP had a very had a very strong team, a little bit of drama in there, but we got through it. Zach Steinhorn and CJ Kaltenbach, also very good teams, good players to play up against. Jeff Zimmerman, unfortunately, was not there because of a, a family issue, but his team was covered by what was the guy's name? Tanner? Is that what it is? Yeah, Tanner Bell. He was the co-author on the book that Jeff wrote. That makes sense because it was a very Jeff Zimmerman type team. So it was a it was a really interesting draft to be a part of i was very nervous right beforehand i like called my wife i was like can i have a hug she was like why i was like because you know it's a it's a big room she was like you can handle it i was like all right yeah i can handle it so i did my meditation in the morning i did my meditation in the afternoon i got myself 
absolutely grounded and centered as much as I could be. This is desperately important to do that during auctions because there are wild swings of emotion. Um, and it was an interesting experience, I have to say. The first player I bought was Liam Hendricks for $23, which apparently is the price of Liam Hendricks everywhere. Um, and then got uh, Shane Bieber at 35 Wait, what? 35 Because one of the things I learned from Ariel Cohen was when the value's there, you got to make a play for it. So he was sitting at 30 and you can feel when a room starts to quiet on a player like you know when somebody's going it's like this person's bidding this and the bids are just flying right and then it stops so the bidding stopped at 30 Degrom had gone for 46 Cole had gone for 42 so I was like all right I'm gonna bid 31 on Shane Bieber because that's a no-brainer do you remember who was at 30 I'm sorry Shane Bieber was at 30 like who were you did this turn into a duel with one other person who really? I don't wanted remember. Them, I don't remember who it was. I have I have some specific memories of of duels, but this one it was early and I didn't really know. And I had a very specific plan and she did not include Shane Bieber at all. But so thirty, and I said, all right, well thirty one. I'm going to at least price enforce this. So then I was like, all right, thirty three. I'm still. It's got to get up to the high thirties, if not forty, before you know Cole had just went for forty two. Then it got to 35 and I was going to stop there and whoever bid 36 I was like hey you got to steal because I'm not going to bid 37 because I got a different plan this is not the way I plan to use my money 35 going once going twice sold and I went oh that was not at all what I expected $35 what were you guys auctioning on what was the, what was the platform was it uh, Fantrax Fantrax all right. All right. it was fine it was fine it was it was it, it was a uh, overall it was fine I thought um, and then I had to stop for a while and I just sat for like an hour um, and waited. So DVR, you want to you fill in your opening and, and how things went for you? Yeah, so I had a plan going in to try and get one ace, which for me is just like a top 10 pitcher, pretty broad category, not necessarily one of the big three. One of my top closers, someone in the top eight, and I wanted to get a hitter that could do everything, and I wanted to get one of the masher OBP forward top end hitters. So two really expensive bats, an ace, a really good reliever, and I felt like that was the foundation that I had to have before I could do anything else. So I threw Josh Hader first at 20, got crickets, so got my closer right away. Someone else threw Jose Ramirez. I that was me, you no, bum. You threw him? Hold right, on. you were after me. Right, so DVR, you got the first two players, is that correct? Yeah, I spent $64 in, <laughs> looks like, 28 seconds. Right, so DVR is first. I had the second bid, which didn't make sense to me though i came in second uh in head to head and they moved me and for some reason i got second i feel like i should have gotten last but anyway um i got second so i had made a plan i was going to go after jose ramirez and i had a number in my head of 42 dollars. and so we started the process and it was it was just i i think i put him out at 34 got up quickly to to 39 i hit 40 because i was going to stand the evens on it and I wanted him for 41, but I was like, I'll, I'll pay to 42. DVR goes 41. I go 42. I'm like, hey, this might do it. DVR might not. DVR bids 44. <laughs> I went, he's yours, man. What, what am I going to do about that? And so DVR uh, took. And you, how high were you going to go on Ramirez there, bud? I had him at 47 was the, the top. Wow. I, I don't necessarily, I mean, if someone else had gone, if you'd said 45 or someone else had jumped into 45, because he was the second player, I might have just let him go and said, okay, you know, like Yelich and Story, the other guys that I, I look at as similar players, they're all coming up. They should go for 
a similar price, maybe even a little bit less. Maybe I would have backed off, but I thought he was worth 47 because I was looking at last year's results and the top hitters, like Trout last year, I think was 55 in this room. I got him for 51. I mean, what's really different about Mike Trout now than a year ago? I, I really don't know. He's well, There's one thing that's different. He's a year older. I mean, yeah, no, it's a year more of him not running. Yeah, shortened year, weird year. I, yeah, I, but OB, but the upside for Trout is the OBP. He had a I kid. Mean, he, he, he's worried about the kid. Yeah, it's true. But does that make him not run? Worried about the kid? <laughs> he's stealing fewer bases because he's the like, kid. I've got to go home. I'm not going to get much sleep tonight, so I should probably not go for this stolen base. Preserving energy to play catch with his kid. His kid's <laughs> less than a year old right now, so <laughs> with his they're probably not playing month catch old yet. Kid, yeah, no, no, I no, I, I like the Ramirez. I'm good with the Trout, and then you got Bueller at 28. Yes, yep, Bueller at 28. So I think I, I love your staff, by the way, man. This staff is uh, Mondo staff. In a span of 26 minutes, I spent 115. dollars Yep, actually more than that, uh, 143 because of the Bueller buy. Yep. So that was a little wild. I, I don't I don't have to play that way. I will prove to the world that I can play other ways in auctions. People think I, I can only play this way and I'm I'm a compulsive buyer and I'm all caffed up, drinking iced coffees before the auction. Ian's out there meditating and I'm injecting as much <laughs> caffeine into my body as I possibly can. That's yeah, a different different style. So I can just go on an absolute bender and buy four or five expensive players in the first forty minutes and then <laughs> sit back for a while. That's not that's not necessarily what I'd want to do what really got me though after i had bueller i thought okay this is it there's this is my core i'm going to sit back for a solid hour or so maybe i'll get a 15 dollars guy but it's going to be a long wait before i buy more players three players later francisco lindor comes up and he's sitting at 22 and i'm furious because obviously everybody still has money left and i think he's at least a low 30s player. So I just jump him to 29. I'm like, let's just keep this moving. Like, I'm going to be here forever if we're going to go $1 at a time yeah. on all these that players I was doing that, that I can't lot. bid on. Yeah. I jump him to 29, and, and I figured, especially with Scott Engel as the 22, he's a Mets fan. He's going to pay at least 30 for Frankie Lindor. He sells for 29. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, that's that's one more big piece than I was expecting. So you know, I made the adjustments. I had plenty of time to sit there and do the math and figure out how to how to change it up. But unexpected early value like that when you've already put the big core together is not always the best thing. And fortunately, I don't think this room ended up punishing me that much for that because I felt like the price was fine, but from a roster construction standpoint, it was one step too far. Well, uh, two things happened in that little monologue you just did that really impressed me. One was you talked about being furious. Always good when DVR gets furious. I love Angry DVR. Angry DVR is as good as you get. It's how you get nominated for an FSWA, at least on this show. It's how you win. And then, no, 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 he doesn't furious on Rates and Barrels. He only furiouses with us. He's got to, no, you know, he's got to be, you, you don't know. know. I, do you listen to Rates? I don't know. I mean, maybe he does. Yeah, no, he doesn't furious. They don't furious. But he furious is here, and that's always good. When, when DVR goes furious, good news for us. But then he went furious to Frankie. He called Francisco Lindor Frankie. That's pretty fun, too. I'm, I'm really, I'm there for the alliteration of the F and the F. Furious and Frankie Lindor. Yeah, no, you, you. Look, I think Lindor at 29, he's just started putting it together. I was a little surprised at that number. Um, but also understanding that Lindor, certainly the, the bloom is the bloom is off the rose. Is that right? I don't think that's right. That's but you the get proper the, expression. Yeah. Is it really? Good. Yeah. I nailed that. 
Um, yeah, so I it, that was an interesting little area. What do you of the think draft. it could be? I don't know. I'm I'm good with it. I then threw Josh Donaldson out there because I'm I threw him out early because I really thought you know I with when all the other third basemen pretty much were on the board. I think I threw him out with my fourth throw. So Ramirez was gone. I think Rendon was even still out there. And my thought process was I'm going to get Donaldson for a nice price here in OBP in in. In average, I'm not interested, but in OBP, I am interested because he, the dude walks a lot. And that was one of my mistakes, I think. I think I, I slightly overspent on Donaldson because I got into one of my yearly pissing contests with my partner, Brett Sayer, because he was like, and I called him, I spoke to him yesterday. I was like, thanks for the Donaldson because he, he bid me up to $14. And, um, and he was like, I have him as an $18 player. I was like, well, yeah, but I do too, but I didn't want him for 14 I wanted him for 9 uh, but he ended up going for 14, and and that's okay. I got into, you know, not being in a league with Clay Link for the first time in a while, an industry league, because I've been playing with him so many years. You can't get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. if you're in a league with Clay Link. It's just not no. possible. You're not going to get him. He's going to pay until he's done paying. It's, you know, it's it's one of those things. So here he was, and he, Vlad comes up, and I'm like, hey, wow, I could get Vlad. I kind of like Vlad this year. He's lost all the weight. Saw so him bouncing around. He's so, you know, so, so excited, so, super happy. So I got him up there and I was at $24. And I had him at 24. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'm good with that. I'm good with 24 for Vlad. I'm good. I'm good. And then last second, Brent Hershey, 25. And I went, ugh. Does that damn. make you hate Brent Hershey a little bit? Uh, yeah, but I really like Brent Hershey. So <laughs> I know, but no. I mean, like within the context, like, yes, isn't in the context of that moment, I hate Alex Chamberlain. Like, where were you on coming, coming, going once? Right, like just just hit the button then. No, no, he's he. It's a it's a it's a it's a wise play. And then I was like, you know what? I want him. I'll never get him. I don't have him anywhere. Vlad, twenty six. Oh, the one DVR and I have a great solution for that. Tell me, buy his baseball card. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Seriously, Um, that'll 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 take away the sting. That little tickle. Yeah, man. It's and then you then you have literally invested in Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, all right. I'll do that too. But I got him for 26. I have to say overall, I'm very happy. Definitely not. 100% he's not going to buy a Vlad Guerrero card. 0% chance. 0% chance. (laughs) Overall, I have to say I'm very happy with this draft. I'm very, very pleased with how this team has come together. Except for the fact that Jose Leclerc, who was my last buy for $3, is now broken. And that's fine because I still have Anthony Bass and Liam Hendricks as closers. Um, But going a little further, I got my two catchers. Um, I got Darno for 11 and Sanchez for 12. Very, very happy with that. Two top five catchers for $23. Really feeling good. It's a it's a real scarcity spot um, in a 15-team league like that. Uh, Josh Donaldson, Jared Walsh for two bucks. Two bucks end play. Gavin Lux, I paid nine. Can we talk about Gavin Lux for nine? DVR, what did you think of Gavin Lux for nine in that spot? Well, I mean, you're my friend, but I hate that you got him for nine. I wish I had gotten him for nine. Okay, Nando hard hitting analysis. How how do you look at Gavin Lux and say, wow, he, he's you know he's not going to be a twenty five dollar player next year? Like he I, he could. It be. seems so obvious to me. Well, I'll tell you where I was at in the in in the auction. I had no middle infielders, and it was two thirds of the way done with the draft. And I was saving for Lux. Like I was like, I'm getting Gavin Lux. I'm getting Gavin Lux. 
And uh, because of pretty much because of what Dave Roberts said, that he's going to play every day and he's going to hit against lefties, he's going to play. Um, I don't believe that. I'll play five days a week, but I still think the upside is kind of remarkable. I needed some speed, so I took Elvis Andrus at four. Someone bid three, and I forget who it was, but it was a super smart bid. Like three was the right bid. Like you shouldn't go over the top there, but I needed the speed. I felt I needed the speed and he fit the team really well. So I just bid four and I knew he wasn't going to come back over the top to five. How could you on Elvis Andrus? But I think he's going to play every day. I think he's going to run in Oakland. I think he's going to have a little bit of resurgence. And then I grabbed Fletcher for a buck in the middle infield. I was I had $3 put aside for him there because the upside of having David Fletcher in a league like this where I can move him between second, short, and third gives just so much flexibility. So, so much flexibility. DVR, take over for a minute, and then I'm going to talk about my outfield. Which I'm- yeah, I got a sneeze too. Talk, DVR. <laughs> I've got a sneeze. What happened to you guys just now? I had to wait more than an hour before I bought another player after Lindor because of that spending. And I had a little bit of regret, even though the price was good, on Keston Hira. He was the next player I got at 17. I think I like about him, in addition to what he showed us in 2019, second base eligible now. I'm going to add first base very quickly in this season. I guess the philosophy I developed with Keston Hira is that if the Brewers believe he's a good enough hitter to make the adjustments and be a regular first baseman, they must have a lot of faith in his ability to bring that K rate down. And the main flaw we've seen, strikeouts up in the zone, especially getting beat by high fastballs. So that's the adjustment I think he has to make if he's going to get back to being that player he was in 2019. But we saw power, we saw some speed, and we saw a hitter that can actually hit the ball with authority to all fields in 2019. So I think yeah. he does have he does have he some does paths have to, to make it work, even if the K rate doesn't come down a lot. There's some risk there for sure. And I, I think, think there's a lot of risk there. It makes me nervous. Hero makes me nervous. It makes me just so nervous. Um, I, you know, they, they have so much invested in him, but I also can see him struggle. But he also could turn it on. I mean, Sarah is still a huge fan of Hura. I got a, yeah. I got a question for DVR, actually. Contextual to this. Mm-hmm. When you said you had to wait an hour, what's your strategy then when it's your turn? Are you the kind of guy who's going to like, all right, I got my two clothes. Let me throw some closers out. Let me find the guy who's going to cost the much just to get him the most just to get him off the board. Let me try and sneak in like a two dollar guy who might not like and like maybe I just got a thing for Adam Wainwright. And I, I know I can get him for two bucks. No Wainwright went in the second round. It was awesome. Yeah, well, he went early. Carabell did it. No. Well, it looks like he went for two. I was just pulling a name off. He went for two. Yeah, Hershey did it. Hershey, Hershey him. put him out in the second round for two bucks. It was a great bid. I was very happy for him for that. Well, let's say like, like what's what's your strategy when because we've all been there. I've been there a bunch. Um, what do you do? Like, what do you do when, you, when it comes to your turn? You're like, oh, let me just throw this guy out and then like stop paying attention for another half hour. So I kind of just base it on what's happening in the room when my nomination comes up since I'm not necessarily going to buy an expensive player. If I think the prices are like good and high, good for me as someone who already has a lot of players, I'll throw an expensive player expecting more of the same. If I think there are some pretty good bargains on players that shouldn't be going for bargains, then I might do something different. I might throw a cheap player out there instead. Maybe someone I actually could bid on a five or seven dollar player. And if I get the player at my number, great. If I don't, you know, no big deal. Uh, so it really depends on what's happening in the room. But yeah, I, I do think when you nominate a player in an auction, I've said this before, have a reason for nominating that specific player. It can be mm-hmm. any number of reasons, but don't just throw a player out there carelessly because nominating a player is actually. An advantage. It's like um, 
It's like having a chance to throw in the ball in soccer, right? The ball goes out of bounds. Your team gets to throw it in. Instead of just having the kid run over to the sideline and just throw the ball in and not think about it, you know, actually build possession, actually do something with it, have some intent behind what you're doing. Very much. And also, I want to answer this question too, Nando, because this was an interesting room and there was a moment in the auction where I was like, this room's still too hot. It's just too hot. So when the room is too hot, I'm going to nominate a guy. I nominated the guy I nominated in the hot moment was Christian Yelich because I wasn't buying him. And the room was like piping hot. So guys that I wanted, I'm like, I'm not putting out anybody that I want here. So I'm going to put out Christian Yelich because I know I'm not paying for him. I'm not going to buy him. So, But someone else will, and the prices are still in the 40s. And I think he's a $35 player at this point, not a $40 player. That's just where I'm at with him. Though I took him in TGFBI at 11, so it's not like I don't like him. But I'm not buying him here. And so I was like, yep, here we go. Add more fuel to the fire. Get out there. And he ended up going for how much? $40. Um, He went for 40 bucks, And that's what I was going for. I mean, what are you going for 40 anyway, no matter what? Not depends on the time. So, all right, now I'm going to talk about some of the outfielders that I took. Um, and the guy I'm going to talk about most specifically is Joey Gallo. So I was going to buy Joey Gallo in this auction because, excuse me, because of OBP. It's just, he's so valuable. So I put aside almost $27 for him in my head. And I, and that was a point where I, I was thinking early, I'm going to throw Gallo out early because there will be all these other better outfielders and people won't go as high. And, and I was like, the room's too hot. And that's when I used Yelich, right? So I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited. He didn't get thrown till like the last quarter of the draft. And I was saving money for him. I was saving that $26 for him. I got him for 15 And that's why, great. like, it's where... Yeah, oh, that was that was that was my favorite moment of the draft for me. Um, and I'll talk more about the outfield. I took Louis Robert even in OBP. I I wanted the speed. I'm focusing on speed because I didn't get Jose Ramirez. So you got to get your speed somewhere. So I got Louis Robert for twenty one dollars even in OBP. I think that's a pretty good price. Then Eloy came up and he was just sitting there at nineteen. So I was like twenty. I'll I'll pay twenty for Eloy for that power for him to develop. So I got him for twenty. Um, Gallo for fifteen. I waited on Buxton. Uh, you know, I mean, well, you have uh, Liam Hendricks. You really, I mean, I think this OOTP league really got inside your head here, man. <laughs> no, you know, no, you Liam, do Liam, have a few White Sox in here. Yeah, I do. I do. I have some White Sox. Yeah, right. There's some, maybe there's some truth to that. Who knows? But um, and then I got Buxton for twelve. But you have a ton of American League players on your team. Yeah, well, I you play have a serious AL. American League bias. I guess I do. I hadn't really thought about that. Look at and this the, team. <laughs> this is crazy. well, Darno is. Oh yeah, you're right. The only National League players on this team are Darno, Lux, Snell, Snell, Syndergaard, yeah, Anthony Bass. That's the whole list. That's it. That's the list. Until we get to the until until the reserve round, which we can talk about in a minute. I wanted Aaron Hicks. I put aside sixteen dollars for Aaron Hicks. I did, and I finally put him up because I was like, all right, I got the money. I'm either going to use it or I'm not, and I'm going to buy Aaron Hicks. I'm getting him. And I ended up getting him for seven bucks in an OBP league. In, in an average league, he's not worth nearly that because his average is low. He's hitting into the shift. But OBP, all about it. So I got him for seven, Buxton for 12, Gallo for 15, Eloy for 20, Robert for 21. And then I got Mitch Hanniger for two, which felt really, really good. So the outfield is a very, <laughs> very strong part. And speaking of Mitch Hanniger, so Ariel Cohen, um, who during AL labor, I would call on the break and like, hey, what do you think? He's like, you're doing really good. 
And then for Tal Wars, I couldn't call him because it was Shabbos and he's Jewish. He's an observant Jew. So you have to wait till there's a star in the sky. So I finally, I'm like, there's eight stars in the sky, Ariel. And he looks at the team and he goes, you did really good. You did. You got a lot of value and you got a lot of value on this team. You know what? And I the, guarantee Ian went outside and counted how many stars there were before. No, I could see out my office window. I could see, yeah. I could see, I could see the sky. So I, they, they got a nice window. Um, and so. Uh, Honey, let me know when you see a star. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I see a freaking star. Pick up the phone. So this is just too funny. So we're coming to the end, and I'm on the phone with him, and I'm. He's like, so you you doing the reserve round? I'm like, yeah, I'm at the I'm at the last pick, and he said, well, what are you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna take Cedric Mullins, and he goes, you're gonna take Cedric Mullins the third? Why? I said, because I could use the speed. I've got some speed. I got took Kevin Newman, who everyone should be looking at. Kevin Newman, hello. Um, hitting 700 and runs from the middle infield. Really good. Took Kevin Newman. Rowdy Telez lasted till 29. I don't know what's going on. Then we go Rojas, Ross Stripling, uh, Randy Dobnak, and then coming up to my last pick. And Mullins ended up getting taken. But right before he got taken, he goes, <laughs> Ariel said this, and I wrote it down because it's just too good. And he said, so where is Cedric Mullins going to play? You got six outfielders. They're all better. than you got Buxton, Gallo, Hicks, Jimenez, Robert, and Mitch Haneker. Who are you going to sit? And I said, well, I could take Hanniger out for a week. And he said, you're taking Hanniger out for Cedric Mullins the third? DVR, do you remember um, when this Ariel Cohen imitation thing started? Yeah. Did someone, I, did someone dare Ian? Was that it? I mean, I remember when it happened. I, I don't remember the seed. It was it was Ariel. He said, I want to hear your impression of me. And I, it took me a couple of weeks to to like work, work on it and work towards it. Um, and then going back to what DVR said about auctions, it was Ariel that kind of changed my head about it. And he said, you don't know what you're doing with auctions. I'm telling you, the best thing that ever happened to me was losing that Tower Wars. Dude, this is, this is a long con by Ariel to get you to lose in every league. Like, he's really he's messing with your head. Did you ever think about that? He's that smart? Uh, he is that smart. And he is that smart. But no, I don't think so. Because he's he shared too much with me on how he, he's pointed out too many. Look. How funny would it be if he's actually a hypnotist? And he, he is a hypnotist. He's like, you know, you're going to select all American League players until I snap my fingers. <laughs> you're going to convince yourself that David Fletcher is going to play. Well, maybe with Barreto's hurt now, maybe you will. <laughs> no, he was going to play every day anyway. It wasn't. It's not about Franklin Barreto. I promise. Um, no, no. I, I, I'm telling you, the the way to get better at this game is you got to realize you're not that good at this game, and then you can learn from other people. Like that's just the key. Do you do your impression at the dinner table? Like just out of nowhere? It just seems like it's so second nature to you now. I'll tell you, my older son hates it. My wife goes, "That's enough. He can't like that." And I said, "He does." And then I get Ariel on the phone. Oh no, I really like it. It's kind of fun. No, I play it for my wife when he does it on the show. It's really fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was funny because I had I went on Sirius at one of the breaks and they were and Rick and and Glenn and and Howard Bender and they were all saying hey good job but what are you going to do you spent a lot on pitching so far you gotta you know you gotta fill up your your offense and the offense feels great right now 
But because I was getting such value in, value in the hitters, it really freed me up on the pitching side. So my staff is this, Bieber for 35, Blake Snell for 19. What's going on? I just, I, I, I didn't want Blake Snell, but he was sitting there at 18 going once, going twice. I was like 19. Can't pass you, that up. You can't, come on. So I took Snell for 19. So it's Bieber and Snell are my pocket aces. I kind of like that. Then I got Eduardo Rodriguez for seven, James Paxton for six, Anthony Bass for six, Jake Odorizzi for three, um, Noah Syndergaard I threw out for two bucks at the end. I'm going to stash him. Uh, Tout Wars is great about that on the injured list. So he's going to be on my injured list. And then in June, I'm going to add Noah Syndergaard to the squad. So feels uh, feels good overall. Feels good. Not not a lot of not a lot of guys that I would have come in looking to get. I, I mean, the guys I wanted on this team were Gallo and Hicks because of OBP. Pretty much, and and Lux I wanted. Um, but that's pretty much it. Everything else was just value. Like, where where is the value? Going to take the value. It makes it more fun. You know who got some value? Well, I'm just, just going across the spreadsheet here. Carabell got a $4 Dominic Smith, a $4 Ty France. He got Christian Javier with his first uh, reserve pick. Scott Angle got a $23 Pete Alonzo. Um, that was a good price. Those are all yeah. good prices. Uh, I was Joe on. Pizapia got a Nick Magical for a buck. Nemo yeah, well, in an OBP league for four. Shohei Otani the pitcher for five. Domingo, Herman, like, we know she talked Domingo Herman for two dollars. Another despicable human case that we have to go through. But two bucks for a guy who might be the number five, maybe work his way up to four, possibly three in the Yankees rotation. I think I think Pizapia did a nice job on his draft, on his draft auction, whatever they call it. $2 Rich Hill from Alex Chamberlain. Alex Chamberlain was a pain in my butt, man. He's done this to me before because he moved over with me from head to head. And it's, somehow it's just like he just he always hits that dollar button on me. Yeah, I like Chamberlain's team too. I really do. Got Perez for 12, Ramos for 3. I think a little high on Freeman, but maybe not so much at 40. $4 John Birdie. Gene McCaffrey wrote a very compelling argument for yeah. John Birdie in a column this week. Yeah, there's there's upside there too. There's upside there. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not playing with with these are everyone's a great player, and so everyone's going to make a team that that's going to represent them, and and he does. Everyone has their team. Before we go, can you rank uh, your competitors in terms of how much you respect them uh, to the least respected? <laughs> no, or should we leave that for next show? <laughs> what are you? What are you? What are you insane? I respect well, start, start all at of the them. bottom. I respect all of them. How about all that? Right. I really do. And and they proved it this weekend because, you know, I got a couple of good bargains, but they also pushed me up on players. And there's a ton of players that I was like, oh, I want to get that guy at that. No, really? I can't get him. You know, we'll so check be, back in in June for the rankings. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Look, I felt like king of the world until Jose Leclerc went out because I was like, I got a great staff and I've got three closers. Now I've got a really good staff with two closers. So it's going to. You, know, you gotta gotta make things work. I like DVR's team a lot. DVR is great. I like the Soroka for five. I like the Tyone for five that you got. I, I like Tyone Kuchi. for five, man. That's great. McKenzie and Savali for, for six. I really like that. DVR is gonna Thank be tough. You. He's the defending he, champion. He got pro far. Yes, he did. How well, about that? <laughs> he did. So here's what's funny. Um, we do the reserves. DVR, because he's the defending champion, has the first pick in the reserves. I'm second place, so I get the second pick. But I was second place in the other league. 
really first place tied with Ariel, but he won on points. But I was the previous champion, so I still think that you got to just throw in the champion. Anyway, that's a different story. It's like boxing. So you, you actually have to beat the champ. You have to you beat the champ. Can't split. Don't you have to beat? You don't tie the champ. You got to beat the champ. Anyway, I'm going to let that go. Trevor, I, I did propose that to the Taub guys. They're like, yeah, maybe for the future. We're not going back in. I was like, yeah, no, of course not. Okay. <laughs> um, Trevor, so I was deciding between Kevin Newman and Trevor Rogers with pick number two. And I was like, which do I go? Newman, Rogers, Newman, Rogers. And uh, and then DVR makes his first pick, Trevor Rogers. I was like, well, that just made it a lot simpler. Kevin Newman. And then I really was focusing on DVR's team. Because he was, you know, I was the second pick. He was the first pick. So when it came back around, I thought he's going to take Rowdy Telez and Diego Castillo. That's what I thought. I thought those are the two guys he's going to take. Um, but I wanted Telez. And I couldn't believe he was still there. Because I wanted Telez to protect Walsh. Because just in case Walsh struggles, it gives me two shots at covering that spot really well. So I took Telez, and then he immediately takes Diego Castillo. And I was like, of course, that's what I figured he was going to do. And then I was like, all right, middle infielder, the guys I like left are Profar and Rojas. And I figured I'm going to get one of the two of them. And then DVR takes Profar. And I took Rojas. And then back around we go. But it was so much fun, man. So grateful to the Tauk guys for for doing all this work and for giving us all the opportunity to play together. It's uh, it's it's really great. And I'm super looking forward to it. It really is. Uh, it, it's really great fun, and luckily for us, all three of us are in top wars this year. How about that? Pretty great. Draft and hold finally ended. Did it? How'd you do? I think I did great. Good. Yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. We have. Oh, we still got another show until the season starts. Probably not going to help a lot of draft people. I'm, all my drafts are going to be done by this time next week. But uh, you know. I've got another draft next week. I've got uh, the XFL, the Ron Chandler Keeper League slash Dynasty that. League. Are you not? That's not, yeah. And oh, DVR, what are you going to do with that first pick? Still thinking about it. Huh. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't want to tell you. I'm still thinking about what we're going to do with the fourth pick. Ian, your eyes, your eyelids are getting very heavy. Is that <laughs> what he calls it? Ameri- you're on you take all, No, you have to do it as Ariel. You will take all American League players forever. <laughs> yeah. We got to go. <laughs> I'll tell the president's story next week. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, for the man who uh, demands lobster tails in his cinnamon toast crunch, or he's not eating it, Derek Barraba. You got that right. For the man who, uh, hey, you were here when he invented points leagues on this very show, Ian Cobb. That's so messed up and so damn true. Three points for a triple. <laughs> we'll see you all later. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Good talk, good talk. Bye. Bye. <laughs>